Welcome to Turn a Page, the official comic book club for Nerd Initiative. Each week, the NI Bullpen will be covering the world of comics, talking to creators, deep diving into some fantastic stories, and much more. Now let's hand it over to the team and turn a page. And what is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining us. It is Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you are tuned in to Nerd Initiative YouTube or streaming services to join in the discussion on this edition of Turn a Page. What is going on, everyone? My name is Ken M. You know me as the host of the ODPH podcast, and I'm also Nerd Initiative's comics editor-in-chief. Normally to my left, you're right, but in the right corner to me on the screen, I'm going to let him do his intro like I usually always do. Coming at you live and direct straight from my sanctum of awesome. My name is Off the Cuff Tom. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm doing this one from home tonight because it's a snowman. <laughs> yeah, the weather on the East Coast of the United States right now where we are recording is not so good. You might see some lights flickering. You might see... Uh, some power outages, hopefully not, and hopefully everybody's staying safe and uh, wherever you're watching the show from right now. So definitely want to keep that in mind as we're talking to our other co-host. You see him below me, Brady Bunch style. You know him as one half of the duo that gives you dialect and draft each and every time talking pop culture like nobody else. It's the one only Matt Roth from Hops Geeks News. Matt, what's going on? What up? Yes, the weather outside is frightful, but this comic was oh so delightful. Uh, pretty pumped to talk about this one as long as we can stay on the air uh, and not get taken out by some of these storms and go to the land of Oz. That is. Yes. Even though that'd be a hell of a trip though. We got to be, be honest about you that. know, I have always wanted to go down the yellow brick road. It's my mom's favorite movie. So I feel like if I uh, got to take a trip down there, I'd be living the dream. Maybe meet Gwenda, live a nice rich palace life with her afterwards. Who knows? You never know. I mean, that's the great thing about it. It's just with any good story, you never know how it's going to go until you get to the end. Much like the story we're going to be discussing today, and definitely chat, super chat, make your voices heard, because today is kind of a big day in the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, because we finally are getting graced with the presence of Echo, the new series hitting Disney Plus roughly in an hour as we were recording. So all five episodes are going to be dropping. But we thought for this edition of Turn a Page, we would dive into the story that broke Echo to the masses. And this is one coming from 1998. And under the Marvel Knights line, which, I mean, at this time period, if you weren't following Marvel at this time, Daredevil was not exactly as popular as he is today by any stretch of the imagination. Kind of went into a little bit of a lull. And under the Marvel Knights line had a resurgence, uh, came back actually being penned by the one and only Kevin Smith with Joe Quesada on the artwork. And they did an amazing story we'll probably talk about sometime, Guardian Devil. And this was in the same vein of that with David Mack writing and Joe Quesada doing the artwork on this. And the story we're going to be breaking down is parts of a whole. And this is the story that really put Echo on the map, and it's a great Daredevil story. So we are going to be talking spoilers. If you haven't picked it up yet, we give you fair warning. We deep dive like nobody else. So let me start with Tom. When you first picked this issue up, issue nine, as we go into the story, what did you know about Echo? What was your kind of vibe as you're going into this? So like most folks know, I'm not big on the comic books, just a reiteration, but my big thing what all I knew about her was what I saw in watching the Hawkeye series at, 
pretty much that's about it. And, you know, what we've seen on Netflix with her. So going into this, wow. I mean, it's somewhat on the similar vein, but it's definitely more fleshed out. Not saying to take anything away from what I saw on the small screen. It, both equally awesome stuff, but a very nice, yeah, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> Absolutely. Matt, how about you? Man, uh, you know, speaking of Kevin Smith, right off the bat, something that jumped out to me was the fact that uh, there is a Kevin Smith nod in this comic, a particular issue nine, the first one of this run. Which There's is two. This, yeah, well, yeah, but they're they're seeing mall rats, and she's like, "What's a snoochy boochies?" And uh, so that right off the bat was fun. But I'm admittedly not big into Daredevil comics myself. Uh, I didn't really know too much about Echo before I started researching her, whether through reading this run and getting ready for, you know, what we're going to be doing over on the other show. But uh, this kind of I, I I liked what I read from this. I had heard about what happens in this, and I kind of knew the backstory. But reading it for the first time, which this was for me was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, I remember at this time, too, Daredevil, like I say, kind of was in a little bit of a different phase. And when it got announced with the Marvel Knights group, and at that time, too, you saw the resurgence of, like, lesser-known characters getting the spotlight at the time. I mean, you had Black Panther was getting a new series, and Humans was also getting arguably their, their best series to date, in my opinion, too, and a Punisher reboot as well. So when you're seeing Daredevil get this kind of attention, it was really kind of a lot of eyes on it. Obviously, with Kevin Smith being, you know, well-known filmmaker that he is, but to see what happens after too at this time period, and you're going into, you know, a brand new story with a brand new character, but obviously the elements are still there with Daredevil and the Kingpin, and going into the first issue, you're seeing that Daredevil is still dealing with the loss of Karen Page from what had just happened, mm -hmm. and you see how just absolutely broken he is at this time as you're going through. And especially if you're a new reader jumping in, it kind of throws you off a little bit just to see him at the piano, you know, kind of bearing his soul, even though he does get some support from, you know, a longtime friend, uh, the one and only Black Widow. And seeing their pair up too, like Tom, since you're kind of jumping into this, what was your reaction seeing these two pair up and Natasha's, you know, impact on this story? Tom's talking. I can't hear him. <laughs> How about now? There you go. There we go. Okay. So, sorry. Uh, kind of having the feeling that I got from Charlie Cox's version. Uh, Matt's a little bit of a hoe. So <laughs> to have a whole bevy of beauties at his, at his beck and call or, you know, have one heck of a Rolodex. Uh, I'm not surprised that Natasha may have been, you know, uh, has seen the Billy Club once or twice. Uh, so to have her still be able to differentiate between Matt and Daredevil and their history. Um, it's always nice to have that available, you know, to you. And then reeling, you know, Black Widow, we always know she's, she is the Black Widow. You, she has the air of death around her, uh, you know, whether that's a good thing or bad thing. So dealing with this mentally is, is definitely hard. And to be able to have someone in your corner that you can, talk about this with is yeah i think it's it was a really neat idea to put her in in this type of role and capacity matt how about you you know it's funny that tom mentioned that because my first thought through this run was like man you know matt really spends a lot of time chasing romances or reminiscing about romances or love and 
I didn't really expect to see that kind of, I guess, romantic side. It's like he bounces from Karen and then he even like has those thoughts about Natasha and then he rolls on into with what we're going to get into with Echo. And so it's, it's a bit of a softer side if, you know, you want to call it that, right? He's playing the piano. He's all in his feelings. I didn't expect him to be so in his feelings when I started to read this, which was kind of a pleasant surprise. And it kind of got me this other air of Daredevil because most of my experience with Daredevil is from the TV show where it's completely opposite. Like he's in his feelings in a different way. This one is more of a softer side of Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Because of just the, you know, the trauma that he's gone through recently and still trying to find, you know, to piece everything together. Cause Karen leaves him such a big inheritance that he can actually start up his law firm again with foggy Nelson. So that's kind of just like, you know, the, the bittersweet moment as you're seeing this all transpire, you know, transpiring. And meanwhile, you're also seeing, Somebody else playing a piano as well, and that is one Maya Lopez as she's going through. And you're kind of getting the quick backstory about her and, you know, the, her memories of her father and how it's kind of presented in that, like, crayon drawing two moment. Like, it just tells about how young she was with those memories until she gets up and addresses the crowd that's there as she's playing. And there's a certain individual that's in the audience who is just quietly clapping along. And that is who Big else? What's that? Big old hands. Yes. 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 And that turns out to be the one and only Wilson Fisk, who's sitting there just very proud of his daughter, as we find out that it is his adopted daughter as the story progresses on. Meanwhile, we have the first client show up at the new Matt Murdock uh, law firm, and it's a janitor that works for the Kingpin who apparently wants protection because he knows something he shouldn't know. And obviously, if you're going to cross the boss, there's going to be some consequences. And sure enough, a hit is put out on him, and he's killed right in front of Matt. And just how insane this moment is, too. You see he's shot, and the blood stain is handed on the window as it's coming down. Like, Matt, how would you describe this imagery as this whole scene is playing out? It was good, right? Because we all know Matt's ability is to sense things before they happen, as they're about to happen, now the heartbeats. He he does, he hears a cell phone, he kind of gets a hint, but he's a step too slow to what's going on. And that's really your first kind of like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? Because I thought Daredevil could see things before they happen. It's almost like he uses the force in a sense, right? That's his ability. Uh, but yeah, he's a step too slow in this scenario, and you're just kind of like, dang, for a, a Marvel comic, I didn't expect some guy to get taken out in this manner. And uh, yeah, it's kind of traumatizing in a way too. The bullet grazes Matt. You get that really cool shot of him realizing that he is just a little bit too slow. He gets the bullet grazed. And then of course the poor janitor is uh, gone at that moment. And Foggy is also there in horror. And it was, it was kind of a really cool scene. I mean, the artwork up to this point was phenomenal. There's a lot of range as far as the artwork goes. And that's something that really stood out to me too with this issue. Tom, how about you? Don't even get me started on the artwork. As a whole, I was astounded with what I saw in this whole book, um, especially using the whole fact of text. Uh, this is something I can say for the end. But uh, the fact that there was a hit put out, not surprised. Uh, the fact that it, what was so smart is that, yes, the, 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 the character stutters, um, and it, it, they, they put it really well in the, in the, in the book, uh, be able to show that you know get his ideas coming across 
um, just before. Uh, I'm, I, I appreciate that kind of stuff, especially the way they did it, as opposed to just like writing out a bunch of these, you know, to break it out syllabically. Yeah. How the how Mac and Casado just put this all together. I mean, it's a true testament of how amazing they are storytellers, because as you see the imagery that's already came up on the screen, you just see that they take a normal panel and they just translate it into something so much more. And as we're going there, too, you also get a little more history of Maya because you do see her in a quick boxing match as things are going on with Wilson Fisk watching along, too. So there's more to her character than meets the eye as we're getting along with the story. Meanwhile, you see Matt is going after the shooter who's dressed in all in white and on the rooftop. And as it seems that Matt defeats him, well, it turns out not so much because apparently he's part of a twin duo of assassins. Like, how crazy is this moment? We'll start with Matt. I think what's cool is the the way of imagery, right? So, like, Daredevil slash Matt and Maya, they're they're playing the piano opposite. They're boxing opposite. And then they throw in, like, the twins. So even that kind of mirrors itself. And it's just, like, it's just something that I found that's really fun. It's like kind of a minute detail that plays to a bigger part of the story, right? But just having mm-hmm. there's twins, Maya and Daredevil are essentially leading the same life each with a different, you know, even down to like one's blind, one's deaf. Like that was even something that's really cool. That that was really clever. Uh, I thought it was a fun little twist in the story to make these guys twins at that. Tom, how about you? The duality of whole of the whole concept was really a great idea um, to have the twins, and then the love to have the twins always talking in hyperbole and metaphor. You know, is just really. I thought it was fun. It kind of threw me off for a sec, you know, uh, you know, stitch in time kills saves nine and, da, 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 and like, okay, I got to get it. And then once you put it all together, when he made the phone call to whoever might have hired, hired them, it makes sense when you can read between the lines and get the idea of what they're get going at. Mm-hmm. Because as it turns out, Wilson Fisk hired him, and you do have this quick scenario where Matt Murdock figures out how to get a hold of him and basically says, I'm going to take you down for this. And Wilson Fisk, obviously not scared of anybody, casually just calls upon Maya and says, I have a job for you, and leaves it with that for the first chapter. Meanwhile, you're starting to see Matt is still having more of a breakdown of what's happening and going on from the events of the shooting. And we're kind of giving him like a new sense of purpose, so to speak, because he now is getting, he knows he has to get back to business and business is being daredevil. You know, much in the same vein of like when Bruce Wayne takes a break from being Batman. Eventually, you know, who which is the real mask, Daredevil or Matt Murdock? And that's what you have in this scenario as well. So it poses that question, and as you see he's trying to go through it, he does start finally coming across the path of Maya and how that kind of comes together. I mean, it reeks of a complete setup to us as a reader, but it plays out to Matt Murdock just trying to be the overbearing, caring, you know, soul that's willing to take any case on. I mean, that's how it came across to me. I don't know about you, Matt. No, it definitely did. Uh, I mean, it's a setup from the start, right? We can see that, but it's funny because she's in like this, this skimpy outfit. Sure. Foggy can see that, but the thing that stands out to Matt is like her perfume. He latches onto the scent of her perfume right away. Uh, The whole thing just reeks of how convenient she's going to come in 
with this this need right after this whole thing goes down and then just casually walks into the office where the shooting was the day before it's still like a fresh crime scene uh that part to me was like oh come on matt first he's blinded by uh not the not the proper use of his head there right he's, he's a little blind in this sense mm-hmm. but it was funny just the way he described it mixed with like how foggy's looking at it in the whole scene yeah tom how are you translating this scene when you're watching it play out what I took out of it more was, the, you know, all the jigsaw puzzle pieces and how things were just, you know, falling right into place. You know, the the context, the context of the pages. I mean, the panels being the panels that they are, but everything else that's going on around in the pages. I mean, literally, the puzzle pieces are are coming together, or you know, we just jump dump the box out and we're start, you know, seeing them on the table and we got to move them around to get to finally figure out what scene we're getting at i think is a really fun choice artistically like i i can probably this book probably would be great for a case study or whatnot just on how the psychology of writing books yeah i agree like this is one if you want to get into just a total masterpiece of just putting story and giving it such a visual spin they do such a great job with the panels that you see throughout the entire run and it just really makes the story feel different. It does. It doesn't feel like a normal comic story per se, except like when you have like those. I don't want to say typical moments, but it's more cliche moments. Like okay, the mysterious stranger shows up at the office. It completely comes off as a as a setup to us reading at home. But you see that obviously Matt is trying to sense the good in everybody he comes across. Foggy is Foggy, who provides a great comic relief to everything Matt's doing as well. And it kind of gives us a, a, a nice pace break before things start ramping up again because Daredevil knows, well, Wilson Fisk is responsible. I need to go dig in some information and winds up breaking into one of his offices to get some files because, well, Wilson Fisk is the kingpin for a reason. It's not just a cool nickname. He's somebody that is where he is. And you can even see this now in the pages of Gang War and Amazing Spider-Man. He's where he is because he's that much smarter than everybody, and he's willing to go that much further than anybody. So when he breaks into the safe, he finds so much paperwork on everybody. It's kind of a sense of, how am I going to really pull this moment off? And that's something that stuck out to me as a reader, that, yeah, you could have all the ammunition in the world, but you still can't hit the bullseye. And yeah. seeing how this kind of ties into the slow burn to set up for Echo. I mean, Tom, were you kind of sitting there going like, I don't know how this is all going to play out, but I'm definitely invested. Oh, I was invested right from the jump. I mean, I, I my investment came from, from all the monologuing in the mm-hmm. in that first panel in the first issue, like literally that full black down page to read it. Right there, that helped, and then to see, you know. The idea of how music and, you know, if you guys don't know, I played music for years. Yeah, that one. Thanks, guy in the chair. Uh, That that just speaks a lot to me. And then Mm. when Matt was talking about music and third note changes the whole feeling of it. You know, a chord is always bright and happy and liner chord has that little bit of doom and gloom to it uh so trust me i i, I was hooked 
and then having them both being able to play piano, but they feel it yeah. and sense it differently. It's yeah. Yeah. No, I agree yeah. with that. And then Matt, sure. especially to when you see the big reveal that, yeah, Kingpin allows him to break in there because he's setting up Daredevil to get Echo to completely buy in on the lie he's selling. Like how masterful is this? Yeah, I mean, it's Kingpin, man. He's deliberate, right? Kingpin is deliberate in everything he does. And I think that's what makes him such a compelling shout out to Alan. Man, making him guy feel good on a Tuesday night. Um, yes, it's it's oh Kingpin. my. <laughs> is it hot in here? Oof, goodness. Uh he's I need to turn down my light. <laughs> Where was I? Ah, geez, can't even remember now. Man, oof. Speaking of a lot of swoon happening in this tonight. Uh, but yeah, Kingpin, man, he he shows you why he's one of the best Marvel villains, the most in a different way. He's not going to beat you. He, he will beat you with brute strength, but he also will deliberately tear you down piece by piece to the finest of detail. And that's what really stands out about Kingpin to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. I had to take a minute. It's, it's, it felt like it was hot in hell. Like I was a just going to start taking around. clothes off, you know? Yeah. You know, which I mean, definitely we'll be talking about that book in the yes. very near future. But as we see, though, the play is made out and Echo is now completely buying in. And I like how they switched up the artwork a little bit here because they did kind of like more of a painted style as you see in her, you know, utilize her powers and just kind of really get focused on the task at hand. And just like, how would you describe this whole scenario as it's playing out, Tom? The It's, it's a lot the t between... Between the whole date that they go on and then her coming to the realization that, you know, this is what Daredevil has done, and, but she still doesn't know. She seems she's very driven. I mean, mm -hmm. renting all the movies uh, because of her eidetic physical memory, I guess, is the best way we can put it. Yeah, she has that memory, that like uh, photographic memory where she's able to pretty much essentially remember moves right like she studies all the kung mm -hmm. fu she matches all of daredevil's moves things like that and shout out to, to like today's kids who read this that don't understand that you actually did have to go to a video store once upon a time be kind rewind yes mm -hmm. oh absolutely because like i said as you say we see her get all set and and fully in the focus and then you also have the kingpin who knows what he's done as he stares out upon the skyline and it's a flashback sequence because the whole deal with him is the promise is made to Echo's father that he would take care of his daughter. But we find out as the reader that Kingpin's the one who killed him. And even the comment about, like, I'll take care of your daughter. Bam. And then the bloodstained hand to end the issue on. I mean, Matt, how do you describe that whole scenario? It's It's almost heartbreaking, right? In a way, it's she's because she's going to war for him blindly she's ready to lay it on the line to kill daredevil because she's blinded by rage she wants to know what happened to her dad crazy horse and the fact that we we then get to reveal that as kingpin who killed her father because it really shouldn't have been much of a surprise because that's kingpin right that that's what he does he's he's mm -hmm. going to do what serves him best twist it to a way that serves him best and he's going to lie about it and get you to work for him and it's, it's really heartbreaking because I think what they did really well with Echo and Maya was that they showed us that she really isn't a bad person, if that makes sense. I thought the way they set her up, she's very driven. 
uh, all this kind of stuff. She's just misguided and it's kind of unfortunate. So it sets up in a heartbreaking manner that you're like, dang, it kind of puts you on edge. It's like Daredevil's going to have to fight her. Is she going to like hurt her bad? Like what's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. And then Tom, when you're seeing the big reveal, like what is the first thoughts you're seeing? Slot coming. But then again, we also knew it simply for the fact of the TV shows and everything. Um, I think it had a lot more weight the way they did it. You know, the, the colors on, on the on the panels were were dark and heavy and the lighting was just right. It it had a tone like we we hadn't seen. Donofrey don't pulls off the character on TV. Mm -hmm. But what you got out of this made it all the more heavier. Oh, absolutely. I think how they just set it up that we knew that Echo's father was a, a, a mob enforcer, but we didn't really know that full backstory. And then how they did the slow burn reveal to it that Wilson Fisk, you know, comes off a little bit noble, which is kind of odd to say, but it's just how, you know, conniving he is that, you know, he pulls off the greatest trick of, you know, pr proving that the devil doesn't exist, so to speak, and he is. As you see that he finally convinces Echo to do his dirty work for him, like he's done with many other characters throughout the MCU, it's a really telling point that it really shifts gears a little bit because you know that Echo is now driven on revenge and is told that Daredevil's the one who killed your father. And now I'm finally, you're old enough to learn the secret. It's a, such a crafty move to pull off. And then to see what Echo does in training, because like you touched upon, she has photographic reflexes, much like the Taskmaster in the comics. Yeah. So she starts watching video of Bullseye, of all people, fighting Daredevil. Matt, what is your reaction at this moment? I mean, dude, it's kind of cool, right? Like we get a Bullseye. Like this, this, this whole entire run is littered with references and for her it's like studying the tape man uh shout out to somebody i know you know matt remke from uh, the direct i just want to shout him out because he him and i always go back and forth about movies or sports and you know comics or sports and this is one of those things it's like what gotta watch the tape and then you go and beat your mm -hmm. opponent and uh to me a big sports guy i loved it just because it is it's i don't think enough heroes and villains do this right there's got to be tape out there there's got to be like all the street cameras, all the MCU technology or Marvel technology they have in the comics. Why don't more of them study the tape of the person they're trying to take down? It's genius. Yeah, you would think that they would try doing more of that, but it, but it never really kind of comes into play, except if you see somebody training you know, in the sense of like with Damian Wayne in the League of Assassins, I know we're crossing universes, but it's, it's kind of like in that kind of situation when you're seeing somebody hone their skills. That's the only time you see training, and then it's kind of you get to a point where oh, it's a they're a seasoned veteran, so to speak, watching everything play out, and that's what you get here a little bit, and to see now how the the trap is fully set that Foggy and and Matt are moving forward with their case because they know that they have another witness they can go with. There's a budding romance going on with Echo as well, but the Kingpin is still invested in that he has spies watching every move. I mean, Tom, when you're seeing all of this kind of swirling together, how do you think this the direction is going? Kingpin is a master puppeteer. Yes. Plain and simple. He is always looking three, four, five, six steps ahead. Contingencies on contingencies on contingencies. I mean, I would not want to put him up against Batman because they would just be sitting at a drawing board how to take out each other at least 14 steps ahead. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the one so, thing that they, they do so well that you just see it. And then when you finally get the reveal, it's crazy to see that on the rooftops as Matt Murdock's fighting, he gets hit in the face with a billy club. He doesn't know what's going on. And then sure enough, there's a picture of that just defines everything. And that's Echo standing there and just throwing stars at him and really confusing him because he's like, what is going on? Because all we've seen is this big, you know, romance going on. And it's kind of the bait and switch method that I love how Max sets this up. And Casada just pulls it apart too, because you see a lot of, it almost feels like psychedelic imagery to a degree. And then you see that moment where everything just comes, bam, full circle and hits. I mean, Matt, when this moment happens, after you kind of get that bait and switch, what is the direction you think things are leading? Well, I think because Matt's power went out, I'm going to take this from here. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry, I, I can't see on so the screen there with the, the camera angle nope. with that image. There we go. It, it's okay. So if you go back to that panel real quick, what I really like is that the fact that uh, Echo is silhouetted out and on top of it, because of all that blackness, it really, that's covering her face and that big sinister look, it really does show that for Matt's sake that, you know, he is that blind that he can't even see what's coming at him. And for us to see that even, you know, in the silhouette, we know it's her, but at the same time, it's a whole other aspect of her that we haven't seen keeping us in a blind spot, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And it, it's so brilliant too, because you see her moving in shadows and then there's that big fight scene that goes on too, until Echo finally gets the upper hand and has the golden gun, which is what killed her father on Matt's head. And it's such mm -hmm. a crazy image to see too. And then the, what kind of threw me off is the next issue because you get the, the citizens of hell's kitchen involved. And oh, I'll say it. I, 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 here's my off the cuff moment. It was unnecessary, totally unnecessary. Like I get it. It filled in things. But honestly, you we've, we've had two or three issues already of this gorgeous, fantastic, stunning drawing and, and, and art and color and texture. And then we go to this flatness, mm -hmm. not saying that we necessarily needed this in the main run. Like I would have been OK if this was a parallel like one off or something along the lines. But if this was in right in line with it, it just yeah, it was a speed bump as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I fully agree about that one. And it's it's one that it takes a lot away from the story. But I understand what they were trying to do, and that's just show the impact this is all having on the citizens. And and I like I say, I understand where they're going with it. I just thought it was unnecessary, too. Like, it was a moment that really took me out of it. But I love how we come back to, especially with the cover of issue 13, and Oof. I mean, like I say, David Mack covers amazing. And like I say, everybody's artwork on this too, Joe Casada, Jim Palmati, like everybody just crushed this series and seeing images like that is just subtle brilliance, but it just jumps out too. And then you only see as the story progresses on that Matt is saved because there's kids watching Echo have the gun on him. And Echo knows from the mm -hmm. experiences she had, like she doesn't want anybody else to witness what she did with her father, even though she can't remember yep. that it was Kingpin at the time because she was so young. So she lets Matt go. 
which is even more of a crushing defeat to him because he's considered the guardian of Hell's Kitchen. How could the guardian take an L like this? Because word is traveling through the town that he is not the defiant defender that he plays to be. And to see how this is all tying into the storyline going on with the Daily Bugle cover that they did, and you see the Spice Dealers accused, you see echoes in the playground. Like, I love how they set everything up because while Daredevil is having his fight go on, you're seeing that the trial is still moving forward. And while Foggy is on the prosecution, the defense lawyer is a little closer to home, wouldn't you say, Tom? Dude, it's Foggy's mom. Like, again, this whole book, this whole run, it's duality. It is yin for yang. It is completely balanced out. Mm. For Foggy being the defender, who's going to be on the side? His mom. It's just going to be... Oh, I like that. Uh, it, it's it all balances out, and and sometimes the, the balance gets swayed a little bit one way, but it comes back the other way. Um, yeah, I mean, we already know Foggy's mom's a bit of a yeah. So to to have the the sweethearted Foggy on the other side, all of a sudden come in under special DA and upgrade. He yeah. just went to town. He tried. He trust me. He tried his hardest with with Wilson Fisk, but what we see later of getting everything else out and around and starting to take out the 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 empire from the bottom floor, like good for him. Oh yeah, I mean you have to applaud Fo- Foggy. He tries his best, but Wilson Fisk is the is you know Teflon. Nothing sticks to him, and he's so calm and and so evil when he's on the stand. He's not even phased by it. And the one key element that they have to the story is the custodian's brother, who is also working for Fisk at the time. But they can't find Mm -hmm. him. I mean, how is this plot line working for you, Matt? Or or Tom, I'm sorry. Uh, Either way, equally as handsome. Uh, (laughs) You know, twinning. The fact that he's hiding now means that, you know, Kingpin, yet again being Kingpin, found out where he was and dispatched his, you know, big witness. You know, uh, it's it's a little cliche, but there he was on the bottom of the river. Yeah, no, I agree too. And then speaking of the rivers, like they show this very cool shot where you see Daredevil's fighting in a bar and you see Kingpin just kind of giving his monologue, so to speak, and you see this body lying unchained at the bottom of the ocean. Like it's just such a cool one to see play out. And it just really kind of exemplifies like what goes through the Kingpin's mind, even though you can see the rage burning in Matt Murdock's eyes as everything's kind of just falling apart for him. And just Kingpin is just kind of casually going along, just, you know, knowing what's at hand. And you just see the body at the bottom of the ocean there, which is, I mean, it's Wilson Fisk to a T. And then even at times too, they give the little breakdown of his story of just how he became the Kingpin too which I like how they kept everything very, very short with this, too. Like, I don't know how you felt about it, but just the quick origin story. Yeah, I mean, I think what they did really well in this is that they gave everybody, while monologuing, if I believe, uh, internal monologue, Kingpin, Echo, and Matt all got their own little time to shine. And you're right, they paced it out just right in the context of the book. It's like, okay, I don't need a whole issue based on your, your background. You know, speaking of background, look at that gorgeous green background uh, right there. Getting dicey over here. My power went out, came back on, 
but it's flickering again. So there's no promises on my end. That's why we do it live. <laughs> we do it live, folks. That's why I say I, I called you out, and then sure enough, the power came back. Yes, yes. We're back, baby. But yeah, having, like I was saying, having the, the small monologues throughout everything is probably my, my number one for the book. I'll get to that later. But hitting on Wilson's background, hitting on Echo's background, hitting on you know Matt's background. And I'm glad we didn't go too far. Like it, <clears throat> I know I said everything was balanced, but I'm glad we got more on the villain side because we all know Matt's background at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you too. Like there's something that we see play out and especially too, like Matt, when you're watching this scene, we were talking about the quick origin story they did for mm-hmm. Wilson Fisk. Like, you know, how cool is that? They just kept everything very short, but you got the sense of his background through all of this. Yeah, he was he was a troubled kid, right? I mean, he was picked on. He didn't have friends. His his home life was ruined. And he basically tells you in very few words that, hey, I learned to fend for myself. I learned to build myself up into something more. And, uh, you know, it's just like you didn't need a lot. And But at the same time, all I heard was Vincent D'Onofrio narrating this in my head, too, which I think enhanced my experience. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have gotten that type of experience in, like, loved it as much had i not gotten that you know but yeah he's now was it d'onofrio in men in black or was it d'onofrio as king oh kingpin however yeah it's he's great man i mean kingpin i you know what uh tony said right kingpin feels like the cooler street level lex luther for me and i 1000 percent agree with that to the fact that he i feel like he's more menacing in but he's he takes on spider-man he fights on the streets and uh yeah that little snippet we got of his childhood perfect i was gonna say d'onofrio as the first marvel cinematic hero thor in adventures of babysitting that's right have we all forgot about people people forget yep i mean that's the voice i always hear when he's on screen but (laughs) nevertheless we do see that the case falls through because the key witness to all of this the custodian's brother is not there but he makes his impact because he disguises himself as the Kingpin's limousine driver and decides to take matters into his own hands. And the shot you see on the screen is Fisk takes how many bullets and falls off the bridge, and yet he survives, even though Matt Murdock is screaming at him like, what did you do? I mean, it's a Matt, how would you describe clip. this? Uh, you know, the dude took an entire full clip to the chest everywhere. Like, absolute, you know, B.A. moment, right? It's He gets shot like nine times, you know, call him 50 Cent. And then he gets thrown off a bridge at that. And you're like, dang, all right, that's what it took to take Kingpin down. But little did we know at that time. <laughs> Now, yeah, question: no. At this point, do we know if Wilson Fisk is the, the particular iteration that has that extra dense body mass yes. that gave him? You know, I mean, we, we know that he's had that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm just double checking. So, like, his body literally is his own Kevlar too. If memory serves me right, they established this in the '70s with Spider-Man. So, I'm going to say for this in chat, super chat. Feel free to correct. I think that since that point, it's always just been considered that. 
But still, I don't think we've ever seen it put to the test like we have here because it's close range bullets. And as you see, like, did Kingpin really just get killed by an average nobody? Like, it's a wild scenario to play out because he's gone for most of this time. But this is also when he gets to be his most dangerous. Because if you think he's off the playing board, that's the scariest thing he can possibly be. And this kind of ties into Echo, who's still having the budding romance with Matt Murdock, but yet she's still trying to kill Daredevil. And Daredevil is still trying to work off, like, you know, his aggression about what's going on because things are falling through his fingers. He can't save everybody. He's trying to reach and grab everything he can, and it's all slipping through his grasp. And it's such a powerful moment, too, because then you have the Black Widow come back and check on him, and then you see a sniper shot hit her. Not him, because I don't think he was the intended target. And then sure enough, you see behind the bullet is the one and only Echo, who is going back on what she was trying to do in the first place, and that's really hit Matt where it hurts, because at this point, she still doesn't realize that it's him. And she's still convinced, like, I have to go do it, even though it's a poison bullet. And then you see this moment right on screen and just this is setting up for the final face-off, too, with Natasha dying in front of him, Matt trying to do whatever he can in his power to save her, and yet you have Echo, who's fully committed to ending this once and for all. I mean, Tom, how do you think going into the main event this is going to play out? Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, this is just going <clears> to... <throat> Knowing that they were on equal footing going into this, and Matt always trying to pull his punches, uh, you know, just going for the nerve clusters to get her down because if you stop the nerves, you, you know, she can't mimic um, knowing that echo has set up in the next few pages, a particular spot where Matt's going to be blind to the, to the, to the fight itself in his own way, because there's so much going on orally and texturally that he can't keep up is just, yeah, it's big. It's heavy. I mean, and the fact that, and I didn't even think of it this way, like you said that you don't think that the shot was for, Matt that the shot was for Natasha that just threw me for a loop so yeah there's a lot going on there Matt your reaction I mean same it's it's kind of interesting because then you know going into this I'm like dang okay you know maybe this is where Matt takes the proverbial gloves off and you know Natasha which no you've never really see anybody especially kind of a street level person take Natasha out too so I think at this moment you're kind of just like dang wow, that's kind of a shocking moment. Um, things are about to get really intense and that's kind of where it sets you up. But it's, it's to me at that point, I was like, yeah, okay. Daredevil's about to get serious. And I think it's, he's gonna have to set his feelings aside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause eventually he has to, and, and how they have the setup too is echo and him have the face off. He gets the upper hand and gets away. She calls him out to the park that they first met at or that she has a connection with. And they get into their final blowout, too. And then that is where things get ultimately interesting because through the battle, she starts picking up on something that we had all known, and that is that it was eventually going to get revealed that Matt is Daredevil to her. So through all this fighting they've been doing, he's been screaming at her the entire time, like, listen, there's no way I could have killed your father. You've been lied to this entire time. And he literally puts a point blank in this panel. 
I was in elementary school. Dude, I was a were... kid. <laughs> yeah. And it finally sinks into her that the kingpin has lied to her this entire time. And her reaction like that her moment entire life. of clarity. Oh, was that Tom? Yeah, it's just that I'm moment of clarity. Her, her that entire life. In. Yeah. Just literally her entire life has been a lie. And to have that sink in at that moment, I mean, how do you describe that as a reader? Just that, you know, mic drop happened. I mean, it's emotional for sure. That that panel that we were just looking at is very emotional. It's very well done. You can see the heartbreak in her eyes. Matt, you can feel the desperation, you know, pouring out of the way he is drawn, just being like, listen, like this was not me. This, you know, you know who it is. I don't even have to tell her who it is. She knows. And that's when it, the, her entire world comes shattering down. The, the, the veil has dropped and it's, it's beautifully done. It doesn't even need words just because the, the amount of emotion that is drawn between every character in that scene. It's, it's great. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And then we get to the, the moment where it's just, everything is kind of just fast forwarding. It's almost like, you know, you see your life flash before your eyes. You're seeing something like this happen with Echo. And then we see the reunion of, quote unquote, father and daughter with Kingpin standing in the boxing ring where he used to watch Maya fight. Maya is there with the yellow gun, and he's like, we need to talk. And this is a situation as a reader. I sat there. I'm like, there's nothing to say, and you can try spinning this any way you want is not going to end well. And to see the next events fall out, I mean, Tom, what do you think is, is playing out here? Bang, bang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> what what else is there to really go off? I mean, I'm going to have a loaded golden gun pointed at your face, and guess what? I am going to shoot you. You have literally taken my whole childhood, my whole life, and twisted to your sadistic purposes just to be a weapon in your holster. Guess what? The weapon is going to fight back. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Matt, seeing how this is all ending up, I mean, was there any other way this could end? No, of course not. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's it. First of all, like you got Swamp Thing and Kingpin over here coming out from from the ashes and everything like that. But it is. I didn't think she would actually pull the trigger at first. I was like, oh man, you know, she's gonna go up there. Kingpin's gonna do something, beat her, leave her, you know, within an inch of her life or something. But she gets the shot off, and you're kind of left with the shocking. It's kind of shocking to the reader. You're just like, oh, what? She point blank to the face, shot Kingpin. There's no way he can come back from this. Mm -hmm. No, I fully agree. Like when I say, when that close range and a headshot too, is like, how is he going to survive this? And this also does play into what we saw in the events of Hawkeye. That yes. we had that silent gun show off and, and they kind of did a nice little, you know, homage to it without giving away the full story. Because as events play out, it's the proverbial happy ending, so to speak, that Foggy and Matt you know, get a little clarity about where they're going with their future. Maya leaves town because she needs to go find herself and her truth because of what, you know, she's been lied to her entire life. And then the final image, because quite frankly, I wasn't sure if they were going to do this or not, but it's a testament to the creative team. They show that Wilson Fisk was shot in both eyes and his eyes are now covered. So he's blind, much like Matt Murdock as the ultimate like 
bleep you moment. And that's how everything ends. I mean, absolutely amazing story from top to bottom. Um, I mean, with the exception of that one issue. Yeah. Which I don't think Matt was here for that conversation, but we'll get into, you know, that obviously we've talked about a lot of good things we liked, but let's go into stuff we didn't like. Um, Tom, you and I are on the same page, but I'll throw it to Matt. The issue involving the citizens of Hell's Kitchen, were you a fan of that or no? Uh, I felt like it wasn't necessarily needed as much, right? It kind of detracted from the overall story, I thought. Uh, it was we, we built up so much momentum between Matt and uh, Maya that, to me, it felt like it kind of derailed it a little. Um, I didn't hate it by any means, but mm-hmm. it left some to be desired. There was, It was just kind of like, eh, sure, this is like a filler episode, you know, just... Fill it because they want to draw out the story a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Tom, uh, anything else you didn't like about the story? Didn't like? Nah, there's more likes than not likes on this one. This this one, I could I could gush over. I, I, I could pull an Alan Dunford. Yeah, I agree. Like I say, there there's a lot to really love about this story, and I think that that if that's the only hiccup, and it's not that detrimental, like it wasn't anything that took me out of the story. But I do agree with you. I thought I was like, okay, I understand what they're trying to do. Speed but, bump. Yeah, but it's just like, is it really needed? You know, uh, that's the only thing that really took it away from me. But overall, I mean, we got to give this a grade. We'll start with Matt. Matt, what is your overall grade on Daredevil: Parts of a Whole? Honestly, man, I'm going to go 9.5 out of 10. I thought there was a lot to love, you know, right from the get-go, the way that they're interweaving, you know, musical notes with them playing the piano and the romance and you seeing this different side and the way they intertwine stories and just the suspense and the buildup and everybody kind of comes out seemingly strong and better for what we just went through in this run. I, I loved it. Um, except for that one little speed bump, which is not going to make it a 10 out of 10. Right. But that's okay. Cause nothing is supposed to be perfect in, in its own world. I loved it a ton. This is by no means a bad run. I freaking loved it. It got me on the hook. I want to read more daredevil after this. Tom. Knowing that what the Marvel Knights have done for the comic book industry as a whole, you know, and the legacy that it's put and was able to bring back grit to comic books and to put all that heaviness on top of everything and taking that one particular issue out, because again, I don't believe it was completely necessary. You want to read it, go ahead and read it. That is your perspective, your prerogative. This one is a 9.75. I want to give it a 10, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to remember that that one book was in there. (laughs) Um, The, one thing you got to figure out on this, all right, the fact of doing uh, the parchment paper on certain pages, the flowiness of some of the backgrounds, the texture itself, even the inner monologues of all the characters had their own particular font. That is something that that stuck out to me because we are, we're feeling who they are just in the lettering itself. The <clears throat> In the last issue where they go back to the uh to the park and you see the reality and echoes reality of you know it's done in crayon versus you know art it's this was great i mean it really really was 
a fantastic issue. It has me psyched that when we log off here, I'm going to go right over to Disney Plus and just push play and catch one issue because episode because I got things to write for tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is you. You can't go wrong with with this read. No, I, I agree. Yeah. This is a solid nine point five. This is one of the best Daredevil stories you're going to pick up, and especially. If you were reading comics at that time, ninety in 1999, and knowing that Daredevil was in this real weird place, and then obviously the Kevin Smith run gave him some new life. And to see where David Mack and Joe Quesada and Jimmy Palmati really ran with this storyline, introducing a brand new character, giving you a brand new Kingpin story, and having it feel unique and different, and everything from the visual presentation to the overall story... It, it's almost near perfect. And I agree with you. I think the only thing that I personally wasn't in, fully invested with was the citizens issue. It just, it didn't really click for me. I understand why, but overall, like for me as a reader, it didn't do anything to defer away from the story. And I mean, maybe there was a couple of moments where they were trying to establish the romance and it just kind of felt like they drug it on just a little too long, but it was never anything to take away from the emotional impact reading this from the start point to the end, because you got pretty much a a near-perfect Daredevil story. And to see how this line really kicked into the high praise that it gets to this day and all the amazing creators that have come through and given their spins on Daredevil since this run really kicked off, it's a true testament about how impactful this run has been and even this story, because now this character is about to break through on pop culture on Disney Plus with a five-episode series that I'm sure fans are going to be talking about on social media and on a certain home of pop culture positivity for weeks to come. Shameless plug. Of course. And speaking of shameless plugs, we got to remember in the top left corner is find your local comic shop. So if you need a QR code, definitely click on that. And also, we can't get out of here until we give you our comic picks for the week. And we'll start with Tom. It's going to be uh, Spider-Gwen Smash number two is coming out. Uh, best thing I can say about this, it's Superhero Girls Road Trip. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, the series has been fun. It's Melissa Flores. So, yeah, I, you I know, and definitely... We, we, we all know I'm a little biased, but I'm still going to call out what I need to call out if I need to call out something. So, I mean, it's it's gorgeous. It's funny. It's it's pretty. It's got Dazzler. I mean, come on. Dazzler's finally getting some time to shine there. So, Yeah. No, absolutely. Matt, what's up for you? Uh, you know, the Hive Mind are back. Uh, they have a couple books this week, but the one for me is going to be Thunderbolts from, you know, Marvel. I think that uh, the weirder things get because they also had the outsiders this week, which I read as well. Um, the weirder the hive mind get and the different weird characters that they have a chance to play with, uh, they they get to do stuff such as in the outsiders. Speaking of, uh, they go inside the mind of Batman. And if you know anything about Batman, you know that mind is going to be extremely strange. Uh, sorry, I forgot honestly which comic book I picked to put the image up. But yes, Outsiders, you go inside the mind. Luke and uh, Kate are inside Batman's brain. It gets weird. The hive mind, we talked about it. Jackson and Colin, the weirder they get to get, 
the better they are. And uh, this is an absolute banger must grab. Yeah, no, the hive mind is doing such fantastic work. Outsiders is such a crazy story and concept that even if you know the old school team associated with Batman, throw it out the window. This is such a fresh take. And Thunderbolts, issue one was one of the wildest books you're going to pick up this year. Yes. I mean, the hive mind with Geraldo Borges, cheersy winner for best artist, by the way, uh, co-winner, I should say. And literally, I can't wait to pick up issue two. Uh, I think that is just going to be absolutely insane. I'm going to shamelessly plug something real quick since we're talking about the hive mind, but uh, there just might be some content interview, maybe hanging out at a brewery while doing it coming up here soon at MegaCon. So you might want to subscribe and tune into the socials because I have something in the works with those two fine gentlemen uh, that's going to be coming up and going to be pretty fun. Absolutely. Can't wait to check that out. Definitely would love to pick their brain about Thunderbolts. Uh, but no, I can't wait to hear your interview with them because, I mean, uh, I guess we should give another shameless plug. Matt and Lauren from Hopskeeks New are going to be down at MegaCon Orlando uh, at the beginning of February. So you definitely want to make sure you're checking out everything going on there uh, with them. And you definitely want to make sure you're following Nerd Initiative for that as well, because I'm sure you're going to be seeing a lot of their work on the social platforms here. Uh, before uh, I, I duck out of here, obviously, this is a big week, uh, as well as the comic shops. Uh, a couple ones that definitely stand out, Transformers number 4, Skybound Entertainment, Image Comics. I mean, this whole series has just been absolutely amazing, and if you're not on board with the Energon universe, you need to get on board. Void Rivals, G.I. Joe, Duke, and there's a lot more coming, too. And like I said, the series thus far has been absolute fire. You should have it in your collection. Cheers! I won the Cheersies for Best Comic of the Year with issue number one, so you definitely want to make sure you have that in your collection. Also coming out this week, one of our personal favorites here it is uh, Midlife or How to Be a Hero at 50. Uh, this is one that I definitely think a lot more people need to be talking about, and this is one Brian Bussolato, um is on the is writing you know his work from no one you know his work from justice league versus kong versus godzilla it's a great story it's not your average superhero book so you definitely want to make sure you're going to check this out it's, like i say it's a whole different vibe itself but it's an excellent pickup each and every issue um and then last but not least for my picks this is probably my most anticipated book of the week and i know this is generating a ton of buzz ultimate spider-man number one Jonathan Hickman, Marco Cicchetto. Obviously, if you know the name and you see the cover, there's a lot of questions to be had. And rest assured, I, knowing Jonathan Hickman, we're going to get some answers and then some. And that is the one that will be kicking off Nerd Initiative, new comic book day coverage, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday with the rest of the bullpen reviews coming right behind us. So you want to make sure you click on that QR code to over here and make sure you have that in your browsers. Make sure you share that around. If you know people that are trying to get into comics, we give you the most honest fan picks around and definitely we're doing something right. Cause the numbers keep showing it. So before we get on out of here, Tom, why don't you let everybody know how to get a hold of you and everything going on with off the cuff. You can find me at all the holy socials. And obviously just like Matt and Hops Geek are going to be down at MegaCon in February. I'm going to be at Syracuse Collectors That's Con cool. in March. I'm seeing the Power Rangers uh, 
Power Rangers panel. I mean, go figure. So you can follow me all on here and obviously tune back in next Tuesday to see what we're talking about. Absolutely. Matt, much let everybody know what's going on with you and Hops Geeks News. Well, well, well. Next week, funny enough, we have our Echo Origin. So if you want to dive further into the comic book origin and stories and what you should be reading from her, uh, check out our show coming next week, but we do every single week. And then uh, not only will we be at MegaCon the first weekend of February, we will be at AwesomeCon uh, in March, and then we will be at GalaxyCon the very next weekend uh, with more panels, more press coming at you. So the next two months... Follow Hopsgeek, follow Nerd Initiative, because the amount of Comic-Con footage you're going to be getting is going to be off the charts, and you are probably going to get some FOMO, so make sure you are there. Absolutely. And if you want to find out what's going on with me and the rest of the ODPH team, simple, odphpodcast.com, or where the QR code comes up on screen, especially right there on the front page, voting is still live for this year's Nerd Initiative Brody Awards honoring the best in pro wrestling so you want to make sure you get your votes in for that because we'll be discussing it not this week but on the following Wrestling Night Live bringing you the wrestling best night of live. pro wrestling talk that you can find on the internet trust me if, if you're on there right now checking out uh, Twitter slash X it's been an interesting talk which I'm sure that we're going to have a lot more to say this week uh, concerning events going on in land of pro wrestling but you want to make sure you check that out and I know that we are obliged uh, per our contracts here at Nerd Initiative. We need to plug about merchandise. So if you want to be supporting the, the brand and the physical content, so to speak, you definitely want to make sure you pick up some Nerd Initiative gear. I know Wrestling Night Live stuff is going to be coming eventually. So is Turn a Page stuff from what I've been told. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So you definitely want to make sure you're supporting the brand and the home of pop culture positivity in that way because they definitely got a lot of cool stuff on the site. And you want to make sure that you're contacting Nerd Initiative about everything going on because trust me, there is a lot of things happening right now. There's a lot of things I can't talk about right now. But if you want to find out about what's going on with Nerd Initiative in 2024, make sure you click on over to the Contact Us page, sign up for the newsletter. Don't miss a minute of the content that is coming your way because what you need to do, especially if you're watching on YouTube, is the three simple methods that the man in the chair has set up for us. It's your checklist. So you make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. You make sure you click on the bell icon so you don't miss a notification about when a program is dropping on Nerd Initiative, and you tap that like button. It's that simple to make sure you are not missing out on the best in pop culture positivity. So for that... I'd like to say thank you to my guests. Thank you to you watching at home. Thank you to the man behind the chair, too, for uh, engineering the show as well. And as we end this show, like we always do, when you have a great issue in your hand and you see somebody at the shop struggling to find something to pick up, hand yours off to them. Tell them to turn a page. We'll see you next time.